Hey guys, sports betting season is in full force. NHL and NBA playoffs, we enjoyed those, and now football season is here. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BetUS.com, and they have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 800 69 BetUS. That is 800 MyBetUS. US, you can receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using the bonus code SST125. That's SST125. They have re-up and referral bonuses also. BetUS is known as America's favorite sports book for a lot of reasons. No matter what the season, BetUS has all the games, NBA, NHL, team, player props, loads of NFL and college plays, whether futures or individual game odds. You can bet UFC matches and props, PGA golf, golf and round matchups and live betting on most sports including golf. The online casino has hundreds of games and the race book has all your horse tracks. They have every bet type imaginable and the Sharp BetUS mobile platform is easy with full betting options. Follow my lead and partner with a sports betting company with integrity and longevity like I did. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS. In the South, it's always college football season, and the king of college football reigns supreme all year long. Southern Sports Today proudly presents the Chuck Oliver Show. It's an inside look at everything college football. Now live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time to talk college football with the reigning king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. I keep thinking there's one opportunity for the UGA defense. When you're playing the dogs, you might have one chance against that defense. I keep having zero reason to think that. It is the Chuck Oliver Show on a Tuesday. I hope everybody's having a blessed existence today. I certainly appreciate everybody uh, coming here for your college football talk. I'll give you two hours of it. It's kind of all I offer, but uh, I appreciate you coming here. Um, I say I keep thinking, and I mean every week, folks, and I have planted the flag and said, Chuck's idea. It wasn't my idea. There are a lot of other people who on their own arrived at this as well. And there's a lot of reasons for it. But the 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 idea that I have had since all, actually July. I keep thinking, given the depth and talent and experience and just overwhelming advantage Georgia has on specifically on the defensive line and then also just the numbers just the sheer volume of either SEC high quality players or game wreckers that Georgia has at linebacker or edge well let's sorry keep going there's only one area left oh look it's the secondary I have opined since since summer that the UGA secondary while uber talented it has been the area I have thought might be a crack might be an op injuries and a lot of new players that was the chance I thought but the inexperienced together thing may have now passed it is the last week of October folks we are two months into the season, and I think that this group has settled into playing with each other. 
at least a lot more than week one in Charlotte, for instance. Oh, and about week one in Charlotte. Here is the big kick in the pants for anybody thinking Georgia's secondary is the op. Now, again, I take this idea all the way back to summer. And the reason was, again, I said uber-talented, but there was a talent vacuum out of the program specifically with that unit. I'm going to try to recall, and I could have Googled my computer, but I didn't. I believe six players from the secondary, whether star, true safety, corner, slot, nickel, whoever, I think the number of players was six who either expired their eligibility, left for the NFL early, or transferred. Like Tyreek Stevenson, he's a pretty good ball player. He transferred to Miami. Who was it? Tyson Campbell. He had a year left. Actually, he I guess would have had two years more he could have played. Tyson Campbell decided, ah, let's see, do I want to play for – no, I guess I'll go be a first-round pick. And I'm trying to remember. He was either like one of the last picks in the first round or one of the first picks in the – whatever. Really good ball player that is wearing a different uniform now. And so I said, it doesn't matter what area of the Georgia program you decide to drill down on. I've talked about it. The paint on their field, it's better than your paint. Their pregame meal, better than your pregame meal. That's what it is right now. So, So the influx of talent along with maybe some injuries in summer and then August and then week one and all of these really good – like Tyreek Smith, he's never taken the – Tyke Smith hasn't taken the field. And he's not going to, not this season. And so I'm looking at all of that and going, everybody, everything associated with the Georgia program is extremely high quality. But it's new. And if you listen to this program and if you look on the side of your fridge under sports rules, we all know – O-line, secondary, experience together matters. It's its own thing, like height, weight, 40-time, drop step, all of that stuff. Experience together. Well, that was my projection. And then week one started, it's not even a trend anymore. I think now that we're two months into the season, kind of does what it is. To this point, Georgia has faced plenty of high quality opponents and i'm talking specifically at receiver and out the tight end or running back in the pattern i'm just talking about premium studs on the outside who are supposed to beat you downfield to this point uga uab had good receivers south carolina had good receivers enough Three guys that even before the season, you would have said, yeah, those those guys, should they're, they're studs. And then you get into the season, you're like, yeah, okay, they're, they're healthy. Okay, they're studs. There have been three. Week one, it was Justin Ross coming back from injury, but he was back. Four catches for 26 yards. I know what Ngata got. But Justin Ross, he's the one with the target. Four catches, 26 yards. The next receiver, the stud, Traylon Burks. He's the best receiver in the SEC. He may be the best receiver in America. And it's been a minute since we've talked about Arkansas football in the realm of having 
best in the conference. You know what? Be best in the state. That was kind of a goal when Chad Morris was there. Hey, Red Wolves looking pretty good. Want to go to Fayetteville or Jonesboro today? That's just what it was. That's not what it is anymore. Traylon Burks, I I think Traylon Burks is the best college receiver in the game. I Now, if you want to talk about Sunday's completely separate conversation that I don't really concern myself with, not a whole lot, I think he'll be the first receiver taken. Maybe. Depends on team needs. But Justin Ross in week one, four catches, 26 yards. Traylon Burks, three catches, 10 yards. I don't know how that happens. Now, the next and to this point, the third and final stud on the perimeter that Georgia has lined up against this season. And remember, the secondary, hey, that's going to be the op. That's the crack in that defense. Against Kentucky, at home a couple Saturdays back, Wondell Robinson, who is a fabulous player. Wondell Robinson had 12 catches for 39 yards folks georgia has faced three really 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 that's three reallys three really 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 top level receivers this season and it has equaled that do you realize that justin ross Traylon burks and wandell robinson combined had 75 yards receiving versus georgia and the thing about Wandell is like, all right, you can have the football. What are you going to do with it? Oh, you just averaged three yards a catch. Not a carry. Not per rushing attempt. You averaged three yards a catch. And you're not, you know, a 280-pound tight end who really is the sixth offensive lineman. You're Wandell Robinson. So much context to this, folks about pass rush and short drops and never having help in the box. And, oh, yeah, a lot of talent in the Georgia secondary. There's that, too. But, yes, there are a lot of layers to the onion to talk about. It is the defense, those two levels in front of them that I said, hey, they're so stacked, we don't even need to address them. Is the opportunity in the secondary? I don't know if it was really in the secondary because it didn't make sense. New players, injuries, mm, maybe early in the year there's a chance. I, I don't know if that was real or I just made it up because I was so overwhelmed looking at the front seven. I I don't know. They're so good, it could be the front six a lot, and they're going to be fine. So it's uh, there's so much of that. And it turns out, secondary, I don't know. They righted themselves. They found themselves. This Saturday afternoon in Jacksonville, sorry, Jacob Copeland. It likely won't be on your resume tape. You got to get fat before Georgia or after Georgia because it's not going to happen when you face the dogs. Always college football time in the South. Now back to more of the king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. Really pleased with how our defense played. Um, you know, really did a good job stopping the run for a team last week. They run the ball extremely effective against a really good Florida team. So that was a big challenge for us. Ole 
Jazz head coach Lane Kiffin. He uh, has switched to Sanka, apparently. Uh, a little subdued there, but uh, he is talking about the defense, and that is something that I have um, been talking about with Ole Miss, the potential for the defense to be what it is. Um, going back to week one, and it was the first half against the Louisville Cardinals. Now, there was also a second half where um, Michael Cunningham or McHale, it has, I, I've heard like him say both, but... He turned into, I mean, they were shut out in the first half, and he just started spinning in the final two quarters. And it was way, way too late, but it was sort of enough, uh, but just way, way too late. They ran out of time, uh, and so they lose by three touchdowns. But uh, the defense, you saw something that night, and I don't know when the most recent, uh, let's say, two quarters against a Power 5 opponent. Uh, maybe they had shut somebody out, maybe against one of the horrible Arkansas teams. I, I, I don't know that. Uh, but they played defense against Louisville, and they really did. And against Tulane, a team that can score, well, they played enough defense. Alabama was what it was, and they were out there to prove a point. Uh, the interesting thing was, I don't. I, it's not much of a stretch. You can look at uh, the Ole Miss defense against Alabama. If the offense is able, now they converted a fourth down on a fourth down, and maybe another fourth down, and then they didn't convert to get into the end zone. But you have no idea what. I mean, a a change in the early fortunes. I mean, my gosh, it, the first couple of battles of the Civil War go a different way. You're paying your taxes to Richmond, not D.C. I mean, if Ole Miss gets in the end zone there, that who knows what happens, and it makes it easier on the defense when it is not quite so dang predictable uh, on both sides of the ball for you. And when the game got away, that's what it was, 42-7, to seven, wasn't it? And so the Ole Miss defense, again, he hated the Arkansas. And that was the quote we played after the Arkansas game. He's like, yeah, I'm glad that we, we won, but, boy, we played about as bad as you could defensively. And then it was way better against Tennessee. And say what you will about all the – and there's plenty. And when I say say what you will, actually, I, I don't mean that literally uh, because that would be the rest of the show. But say what you will about the dysfunction and the divide between talent and production currently, right now, Today, just right now in Baton Rouge. But that's a lot of talent, even without Boutte. Even without him, that's a lot of talent on offense. And, I mean, 17. And, by the way, they had the lead in that game. And then the offense, and it was done, 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 done. Part of that, again, go by the dysfunction and, you know, whoever. I'm not protecting Max Johnson. I don't know. There's a lot of things that you can talk about like that. Um, that you can say, LSU, bad job. You can also look at the old Miss sideline and go, dang, Sam Williams, look at you. Hey, Chance Campbell, what up, secondary with eight, one, two, three, four, five, six, eight new players. What up, Ole Miss secondary? So they are playing. In fact, how about this? This is not just in Oxford. Now, I've always said bad behavior on someone else's part does not excuse the same thing on your part. This is not limited just to Oxford. However, this is where the bar is kind of moving. I think we can now advance things. We were on about plenty of places in Mississippi. So I know there are Rebel fans out there that watched every single snap this year, and they're going to agree with me. We have gone, I believe, from properly saying, hey, that defense is better. To there are some Saturdays where the defense is they're they're good. And let me say that a little they're good. I, I want to say a little softer right now. Maybe in a couple of weeks. Maybe after Saturday. Maybe they go to Jordan Hare and Bo Nix is like, oh my God, it's like being on the road again. 
I, I don't know that. But they've gone from, hey, they just need to be better, to there have been Saturdays. 26 points in Neyland to that offense? Yeah. They were good that Saturday. 17 to Max Johnson and all the studs, context included, but all the studs. For LSU, yeah, they're good. That Saturday. Again, they could be good. Let's see, who are they going to be? Uh, I think they'll be – there's a chance. They're going to be real good against Vanderbilt. Um, and so that's where we are now. You get a defense. I need you to go from better – the big jump is to there are some Saturdays where you are good. Dan, how are you today? Oh, man, things are good. And, you know, the funny thing is you're talking about Ole Miss, and they made the conscious decision to say, let's go for it. Let's get the guy that we truly believe can turn our program or at least take them forward because we had it pretty good with that Hugh Freeze guy. But this Lane Kiffin guy with his kind of rehabbed image and also to this offense that he's leading – what can that do with the guys that we have right now and take them going forward? Yeah, he may rehab that image all the way to Baton Rouge. Not only that, but conversely to that, I saw probably one of the most absurd tweets I think I've ever seen in my entire life, and this goes at the feet of probably somebody who was on the board of trustees at USC. Brett McMurphy, who I think we can agree is a pretty reputable oh, guy. Oh, fantastic. Ex-NFL coach, USC alum, Jeff Fisher in the mix for USC's coaching position. No, 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 no Source no, no. tells Action Network HQ. Let me tell you who probably has no interest in pounding the pavement, going to every single high school in Southern California, going around to other high schools in, say, Las Vegas, Phoenix, or elsewhere to try to get the best players in the southwestern part of the United States to come play at one of the heritage and best programs in the country. It's the guy who currently right now is hanging out at his ranch in Yellowstone or wherever he is somewhere in Wyoming or Montana and you think that that guy is going to be the one who's going to be showing up at 5 a.m. saying, hey, staff meeting here, 6 o'clock. Hey, we got to find a way to be able to make sure that Oregon doesn't come in here and get our guys, our Arizona State. This is totally a, hey, it's worked out for the Herm Edwards guy over at Arizona State, so it could work out for us here at USC. Do not overthink this. You still have a good enough name. Offer it to a young guy. Offer it to somebody who has a lot to offer. And offer it to somebody who actually wants to energize your program. I don't think I'm being provocative here. Like, if I'm a USC fan, offer Jeff Fisher the AD job ahead of the coaching job. I mean, that would make more sense. Mike Garrett, uh, you were a stud running back here in the 60s and then played for the Chiefs. And uh, you want to be AD? Yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, Pat Hayden, you were quarterback here in the early 70s. Want to be AD? Oh, that'd be awesome. It's like you spun the wheel on alumni day and it landed on Lynn Swan. Um, I would hire him as AD before I did coach. Well, I mean, now it's finally gotten to a point where they're like, hey, we've got the business guy. All right, back with more next. Now back to the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. All week, all year, it's all college football on the Chuck Oliver Show. And it's a Tuesday, which means it is a bar today from College Football Matrix. No, he is College Football Matrix, which means coaches, players, agents, athletic directors, football ops folks, border regents. It doesn't matter. Everybody uh, involved in sports can can get some value from Dave Bartu. Ain't no doubt about that. Uh, Dave, welcome, brother. How are you? 
think we, we can add to the list starting uh, starting this week now because uh, it's it's bowl time. It's also college football award time. So analytics going out for Blitnikoff Award voters, Ray Guy voters, uh, and had a nice conversation with the uh, Peach Bowl committee on helping to use analytics market the teams they have uh, in their game. Outstanding. And how did they come to find out about Dave Bartu? I don't know. <laughs> I Word gets around on it. You just, you, just, you just do something long enough and blind squirrels find nuts, you know? So um, it's, well, it's like a coaching search. It's, it's connectivity. It's who you know. Um, and, and a lot of times it's not who you know. It's who's following you and you're not even aware of it. You know, yeah. when you when you get a – I remember the first time I got a phone call, random phone call from a head coach. It was from Kevin Sumlin. It's 8.30, 8.30 at night or 11.30 at night here. So it was one thirty in the morning where he was at. Uh, and he had questions about an article I wrote on pace of play and injury rates uh, as it related to uh, Saban and Bielema complaining about it. And we talked for 20 minutes. I'm, and I'm sitting there in the back of my mind. I'm like, dude, it's, almost, it's 2 in the morning where you're at. <laughs> you know, but there's no hint of him following, how to get my phone number, any yeah. of this stuff. So it's just you just keep on keeping on, right? Absolutely. And you get him on Twitter at CFB Matrix. Uh, and then you also can contact Dave. Honestly, you got a question, you want to text the man, you want to call him if you're Kevin Sumlin. Uh, give the number before we jump into some specifics. Oh, the, the, the text hotline, 971-217-8419. I will engage anything, college football, anytime, anywhere. Boom, like boom, boom. <laughs> now, we're, we're going to – I want to tell everybody, we're going to talk LSU, we're going to talk coaches, et cetera, but I want to talk uh-huh. goals because when you get contacted by either an individual or an organization, um, are they always cl- – we need help. Okay, well, what's your goal? Like, it surprises me how many folks think they want to improve, but they don't know specifically what their goal is. Um, you know, whether it's LSU or UNLV, I mean, they have, I guess, the ultimate same goal, but realistically, it's way different. Um, how do you get the client, whether it's an individual or a program or whomever, um, to really be able to identify their goals? Well, um, I, I think part of identifying the goals, obviously, it's situation, right? I mean, what, what are mm-hmm. we working on? Are, are we working on a head coach search? Are we working on trying to replace a DB coach? Absolutely, yep. Uh, you know, are we working on recruiting, roster management, opponents, you name it, okay? So um, this time of year, since since we're, we're on the subject of, of a coach search, one of the first things I want to find out is mentally – where an athletic athletic director is at. So Chuck, you're you're the athletic director at LSU, or you're the athletic okay. director at Texas Tech or Georgia Southern. One of the things I want from you is give me the top ten guys you're thinking of. No order. Just give me the guys you're thinking of. All right. And what I can do with that is I can take that information, put it into our system, and go. Okay. Well. Is there anything in common with these guys offensively, defensively? Are they are they are they gettable? You know, um, and so what we can do is we can use what's already in somebody's head to profile their expectations uh, of of what they want to hire. Are they realistic? Are they not? And can we find guys that fit that AD's goals? Uh, he may not even know what his goals are. Or she may not even know what her goals are. Um, but by giving us 
a list and being able to wrap the numbers around that list, we can profile what's in their mind in terms of what they expect out of a coach. And we can use that to go find coaches with a similar profile that grade out high in terms of their ability to win games and their ability to not lose them. Well, let's talk about, I mean, I know what the goal is with LSU football. It's it's championships. And, you know, I mean, you start with division, and that's nice. But uh, what about in Atlanta? All right, an SEC title. Yeah, we don't really even care about that much anymore. 2011 taught uh-huh. us a good lesson. Um, their goal is national titles. And so what what are what's, what's your thought, your input right now regarding the opening in Baton Rouge? Well, just looking at the, at the position as a whole, number one, top five recruiter this century. Okay, so it's it's it is in the same category as Georgia and Ohio State, uh, and, and your elite recruiters. Okay, your Oklahoma, um, you know, your Texas, uh, your Texas A and M. You know, it's a top ten recruiter. So this is where all of your national titles come from, except one. And that was led by Deshaun Watson this century. Okay, so first and foremost, you don't need a recruiter. It recruits itself. Brands recruit themselves. It doesn't matter who you put in there. It's going to be a top five recruiter at LSU. And and the talent around there speaks for itself. So you need a head coach that can manage and hire a really good staff. Doesn't it doesn't have to be a recruiting staff. This this staff needs to be uh, great at X's and O's on offense and defense because we we both know that a national championship is won uh, with good coordinators. There's not a single can, can, can national I, title won. Yeah, go ahead. Can, can I input? Like I I yeah. will state. I wasn't in the room, but I will state as a fact. I am so certain about you know where I was told this. In the room, when Ed was trying to go from interim to permanent, that literally, almost word for word, was his pitch. Like, he admitted, I'm not a great X's and O's guy. I'm a recruiter, and I'm a program brand ambassador. But by God, I'll hire the best coordinators and let them run. I'll give them the keys and stay out of the way. That literally was his pitch to the administration. Right, and it's a great pitch. And he got lucky one time. Exactly. With Joe Brady. Right. He got lucky. And see, okay, now here, here is where we come in. This is exactly what I have been trying to preach to ADs for so many years. And the ones that use us love this because it empowers them to be smarter than your average AD that isn't aware of this. So, so that was his pitch, right? So let's, let's say you're Woodward and, and Ed pitches that to you and you go, Oh, okay. What, what do you have to substantiate if he's good at picking an offensive or defensive coordinator or not? You have nothing. But you call me. Now, you know, you, we, can give you, we can give you a grade on everybody. You know, so with, with Woodward, it doesn't matter who he's looking at for um, his OCDC, you know, his head coach. Any mm-hmm. staffing that, he, that, that a coach puts forward, he can immediately profile it. So we would have known, like when Ed, when Ed was hired, well, we talked about it on the show. When Ed was hired, he had a great defensive coordinator, Dave Aranda, top five in FBS before Ed even got there. It was a brilliant hire before, and it was a catalyst for the national title. He even tweeted that when they hired him, Dave Aranda would win a national title before he leaves LSU. I believed he was that good. Um, but then he went out and hired well, – who was, who was the offensive coordinator before, before Joe? 
Uh, it was Cam, Cam Insminger and, and see Joe Brady was not right. the OC. He was the passing game coordinator. Still Insminger. Insminger didn't call the plays the second year, dude. No, no, no he didn't. He didn't. didn't call the plays at all. New and Joe Brady got the assist of the year award. Yeah, he wore a headset, maybe moved his mouth, but there is absolutely no way he went from a C minus great offensive coordinator to the number one offense in one year, absolutely. and then regressed right back to his career average the very next. Dude, I'm talking like if I was on Jeopardy and it said 2019 yeah. LSU offensive court, I'm ringing in going Steve Ensminger. So I'm just saying yeah. like from the Jeopardy answer standpoint. Right, I and I understand that was the title, but there is in no way, shape, or form that he was calling those plays. So, oh no, there's a reason that Joe Brady's in the NFL now. Right, right. So I, you know, so when Ed, you know, said I'm bringing in the best, the report would have been thrown right in front of the AD, and and he could have gone, No, you're not. <laughs> That's a C minus great offensive coordinator. You're not hiring the best. You're hiring your buddy. You're hiring a guy you think is the best because you're friends with him or you know him well. And this is one of the things that we really try to get across to athletic directors to try to get them to understand that when you hire a head coach, you're also giving him the green light on his on his staff. So when we work with an athletic director, we provide reports on the entire staff. So if you were interviewing with Scott Woodward and you said, hey, here's my number one and number two OC I want to bring in, my number one and number two DC, my number one, my number two special teams coach, DB coach, wide receiver coach, guess what? Report, 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 great on recruiting, great on performance. Everything about every single guy, we have 17,000 coaches in our database. We empower athletic directors to be aware of the expectations before the first kickoff of a new head coach. So that's one of the big things that we go through is getting back to what you said is what are they looking for? We empower them to find what they're looking for inside the numbers. So a program with an athletic budget of 160430000 they could break off some for you? So what we, we actually prefer to work on is exclusivity. So, mm. you know, most of the most of most of the competitors out there, like like a PFF, okay, yeah. they they give it to everybody, right? Once everybody has it, nobody has it. There's no edge. Analytics is about having an edge, man. That's what's cool. Is going oh, absolutely into a game, true. Right? Going into a game and having an edge. Now, if I'm exclusive with Oregon State but I'm also then, – then when I'm going up against my alma mater in the Civil War game, then it's awesome because I, I'm giving them edges to try to win that football game. Now, if I'm working for Oregon doing the same thing, guess what? Nobody has an edge because they all know what they're doing. And we just see ourselves as a glorified oh, part-time hang on. analyst. Yeah, can I yeah. can I know can I, can I tell you what this becomes? Um, I don't know. Yeah. You don't watch nearly as much games as I do. But uh, when Notre Dame goes to Georgia a couple of years ago, Georgia debuted this LED ribbon board, this light board to put on it. You can put it's an amazing addition, and it's several million dollars. And Georgia's like, yeah, that's a rounding error. We got it. Um, yeah. Now everybody's like, we got to have one, or we're behind. It's it's facilities. You had to have them to get an advantage, and now if you don't have them, you are behind to those who do. Right, and then once everybody has it, the the, the field, the, the playing field's level, right? Yeah. And yeah. that's cool, but I don't like doing that. That's no fun. You know, yeah. to, me, to me, I'd rather be exclusive. So, like, in your backyard, I would, you know, for, for 35 grand a year, I'll be exclusive to Florida. 
and I will do everything I can to help Florida win games and get an edge in recruiting and roster management in opponents, you know, in kickoffs and punting in behavior in everything. And to me, it's more fun because we can go into a season representing one team in one division and do everything we can to win ball games and, and provide edges. So, nope, nope, you know, when you, nope. when you talk about a $160 million budget, you know, for, for 35 grand, you can have us exclusive in your division. And we're basically a part-time analyst, except we work with your recruiting coordinator, your offensive and defensive analyst, your, your AD, everybody gets the information. Um, and let me tell you something, it's a hell of fun. <laughs> Yeah, and let me correct myself. By the way, I said I said budget the hundred and sixty million four hundred and thirty thousand. Dave, that was only the revenue, not the actual budget. So uh, the revenue was one sixty. So uh, we're going to take a break. We'll come back on a Tuesday. More Dave Bartu next. The king of college football, no matter where you go, with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Downloaded now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. I normally won't fault you for wanting more. And Texas Tech has decided we want more. So, guns up. Matt Wells, you're out of town. You are fired. Uh, He is now the former head coach at Texas Tech. Folks, it is October, uh, and we've had firings. And so, Matt Wells, again, he is ousted from Texas Tech. Uh, What is that? Well, it's a Power 5 program, and it will be Power 5-ish. Uh, will probably be the description after OU and Texas leave and they import from the AAC, et cetera. But um, good enough program, and uh, you can get paid there, and I think you can actually win. I know you can get some talent. I want to welcome back on from College Football Matrix, Dave Bartu. Dave, uh, talk Matt Wells and Texas Tech, either one. Mm, bit of a surprise, I'd say, um, at least in the numbers. This is a team that's 5-3. and three. And on the season, he's plus two games coach effect, meaning he has won two games beyond uh, what the talent and schedule expectations said they would be. Um, Now, that being said, there was enough scuttlebutt on social media that uh, from the beginning of the season, Texas Tech fan uh, was really complaining about the recruiting at Texas Tech, Uh, and rightfully so. Um, Cliff Kingsbury ran the thing into the ground, and somehow Matt Wells made it worse. Uh, this is a program that used to recruit in the in the 40s when when Mike Leach was there. Uh, the, the the program recruited in the 40s. Uh, the talent level was was decent. Um, now you have a program that recruits on the level of K State and Kansas. Um, it's in the 60s. It's out recruited by actually Texas Tech's out recruited by Cincinnati and UCF. So um, the reason for the the, the plus game. Uh, the coach effect is largely because of the recruiting falling off so bad. Uh, so I, I think they were just looking for an excuse. The K-State uh, home loss gave it to them uh, to get rid of him. So let, let, let me throw something at you, though. This, mm-hmm. this, would be, uh, this, this, this is a hypothesis of time is a flat circle. So Texas Tech fires its head coach. Head coach sues Texas Tech. Goes to work for Washington State, leaves Washington State. Washington State hires a coach, 
fires him, that coach sues Washington State, then Texas Tech goes higher said coach. <laughs> so that would be oh, that could happen to Texas Tech. Yeah, you Makes know, it's interesting. Sense, doesn't it? <laughs> Um, yeah, especially given uh, the specifics why Nick Rolovich still isn't the Wazoo head coach now. Uh, it's a bit more permissive of, a, of an environment around uh, the state of Texas if you're outside of Austin, that's for sure. Um, he was hired as sort of a uh, build the culture and recruit and develop over time. Um, and so what is your – like if, if, if Matt Wells is now in the hiring pool, um, what's your opinion of him? Uh, above average, I thought from a coaching standpoint, um, he, he mm-hmm. was really good at Utah State. It's just that the recruiting function isn't there okay. at all. Yeah. You know, it, it's just not. He's not a recruiter. So, you know, well, to me, if if you're you're a Group of Five program, you know, it's it's a really good risk because you don't have to. Re, you know, you, you're not concerned about development. You're not concerned about the recruiting aspect. That's why Jim McElwain is really good in G5. Not a good recruiter, not a good developer, just a real good X's and O's guy. And I think that's what Matt Wells is um, floating around out there now. When you're at Central Michigan and you look across the line of scrimmage, their players kind of look like your players most Saturdays. And so if I got a better play sheet, I got a chance to win. When you're in the SEC, it does not. Everybody does not look the same. Uh, that no. is exactly true. Couple of guys before we break here and uh, wrap up for the Tuesday. Uh, Justin Fuente, is it a win or is it still an if? Oh, geez. I was uh, when he was out searching for a new girlfriend. Uh, you know, her program yeah. to leave to uh, over the off season. Uh, it felt exactly like uh, who is the head coach at SMU that went to Arizona State and then they didn't have June Jones. Graham. Remember, June, June was Ty. out the door. He was going to Arizona State. Greener pastures on oh, the side Graham. here. Oh, is it Scott Graham? I don't remember. Right? Ty, it was, it was, it was Ty Graham. Was, yeah, that, I think that's, yeah. Yeah. And, and, I think. But, but the, anyway. I, I think the point was is that the guy up and left and then ended right back up in the – in the facility, and I just don't think that works. I mean, you're you're working with a guy who openly said, "I want the heck out of here. I want to go to a bigger, better program." I mean, shoot, you're you're bigger, better program than Virginia Tech. You think you're bigger than that program, dude? You haven't even won the talent. Your recruiting is down since you got there. Who do you think you are? You've done nothing, nothing at Virginia Tech except underperform the talent and erode the talent. So I'm. Dude, yeah, as soon as his contract expires, I'm I'm taking a better risk because he's at best average at Virginia Tech. Yeah, and you were 100% right about June. I think Todd was at everywhere other than SMU in that area. Uh, let's talk Manny <laughs> Diaz at Miami. Um, I, I You can't fire your coach every two or three seasons, I wouldn't imagine, but um, nobody seems real happy with Manny. Oh, God, he's so bad. It's so bad. I mean, the numbers are just – I'm, I'm guessing North Carolina State got, like, fined by somebody for losing that football game. Because going into that football game, look, Miami's got plenty of talent. Top, They're still even a top 20 recruiter, even after everything uh, that, that goes on in college football. They're, they're still um, solid uh, in, in that area. And, I mean, you look at the numbers before the NC State game, there wasn't a worse – performing team in terms of the metrics. I mean, you're talking bottom 10 offensive defensive scoring efficiency 
yeah. for a top 20 recruiter. I mean, there was nobody even close to it. Maybe USC, you know? I mean, it was it – was, I was looking at the numbers, and I just could not for the life of me believe how bad Miami was on both sides of the football. But you're right. You can't just keep turning these things over. It affects the kids. It affects the program. It affects the culture. Um, so I think we just got to hold our breath right now not get too far ahead of ourselves. Uh, he's dug himself an enormous hole, uh, but he has the talent to dig it out. He really does. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens with Miami the rest of the year. I don't think they can just turn it over, like you said. I don't think any program can do it. You start getting into that habit of turning guys over every two or three years, and all of a sudden you've just lost a decade. And, and, yeah, and it makes it harder point, to attract know. candidates. Exactly. Yeah. That too. It Absolutely makes it harder. Does. All right. Candidates, our kids, all of it. Every Tuesday we do this. Dave Bartu stays around for a couple of segments. It is CFB Matrix. Again, Dave, tell everybody how to get in touch with you. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at CFB Matrix or hit the text line 971-217-8419. And let's talk some college football. There it is. Dave Bartu. Do it again in seven days, man. Thank you. Thanks, brother. All right, Dave Bartu again. He is College Football Matrix, uh, and he's got his email address there if you want to get in touch with me. He'll take calls from everybody uh, when it comes to college football. Uh, if he's not on the line with the NFC East coaching staff, for instance. All right, we're going to break. Come back with Hour 2 next. <laughs> 